0: I think it was the Australian band Crowded House that in the early 1990s had a single called Four Seasons in One Day. Some of the past week has felt a bit like that. You know, it's been hot and cold. It's been sunny, like it is just now, and then torrential. But not only has the weather been unable to decide what season it is, or at least what season it's trying to be, I've had a bit of difficulty this week trying to discern just what day it is at all. And there's a number of factors concerning this. Uh, I think the main one has been the fact it's been the first full holiday week from school. So my children have been home from school all week and I keep thinking, oh, it must be the weekend. (laughs) And then going, no, it's not. And then... uh, In the middle of the week I visited the Boys Brigade camp down at Glynde. And again I sort of felt, well if I'm if I'm on a campsite, it's all these people in tents, that's something that I would normally do at a weekend. But again, it wasn't a weekend. And I was just left with a lot of confusion. Where am I? What am I doing? When is it? And I realized what what I needed, what I desperately needed, was structure. I needed something saying, this happens now, and that doesn't happen now. God gives us structure in our lives. In the creation narrative of Genesis 1, which we thought of way back in May, when we thought about how God made everything, we heard how God brings structure into being. He forms the stars and the planets out of gas and dust. He makes order out of chaos. He gives us daytime and nighttime. And he gives us order to our week too. He gives us the weekend, the Sabbath rest that we can have. He took it for his refreshment. And the weekend is for our refreshment. And the holidays, this time, is for our refreshment too. The calendar was further set last week. There was more order brought into it, if you think of our reading. When we had the story of the Passover, and God appointing, which was to be the first month and the first day of the year this was the beginning, this was how it was going to be. And then we come to Leviticus. And we hear of many laws being given to order the lives of the Israelites. And the law was intended not to be a structure that constricts, But one that allows the people to maximise their experience. To develop an understanding of how they might live. How they might grow. How they might understand who God is. And who they were called to be. Within that we have this passage today. Which tells us about a number of festivals. Each prescribed with a different date to set them in their place during the year. They bring a variety of style. Each serves a different purpose. They remind them what God has done in freeing them, it prepares their hearts to be with God. It celebrates God's generosity. There's a time of seeking forgiveness. Rather like in that stop prayer that we've had this morning. There's different phases of the celebration. Different parts of the feast. Our 10.30 service over the summer is neither 9.30... Nor is it 11.15. You'll see bits of each of them weaving together. We've got the worship band. We've got the organ. They will come together in the praise of God. It might be different over this holiday time. But it will be A holy day where we gather to praise God and grow in his name. Of the festivals that we hear in today's passage, the one that we should have familiarity with the timing of is the 50th day. You know the 50th day? Pentecost. Now, this is maybe not how we think of Pentecost, but that's the celebration that they're having when the people gathered in the room and prayed and the Holy Spirit came upon them. The celebration of first fruits. It's an early harvest and it has the finest bread and lambs that are a year old and rams and a goat, and even a young bull. There's everything that you can imagine bringing before the Lord, being brought there. We bring all the different gifts that God has blessed us with, and we bring them back to the Lord. Now remember, at the Passover, seven weeks earlier, there was not to be any yeast Left in the house. They were told to go through the cupboards. Empty it all out. Get rid of it. That was something that you were to do. So that you had unleavened bread. No leaven in the house. But here. We've got bread that is rising. It's been baked with yeast. It's a lighter taste. Something different. For the congregation being brought forth. It's not flat. It's not heavy. There's a lightness. And there's a lightness in this celebration. There's a newness of life. Which is there at first fruits. When all the good things are offered back to God. But of course, the timing's not simply saying, we've had this, we'll have seven weeks' rest, and then we'll do it. The gap is meant to signify the Israelites from the first Passover getting to Sinai and being about to receive the law. It's not just the gathering of crops. It's a gathering of people to be God's people and to live God's ways. And there's more there, isn't there? Because in the passage, it's not just celebration. And bringing things before God in worship. There's a sense of mission there too. There are clear instructions. About allowing the poor to gather the crops in the field. And it's intended for people who would otherwise be destitute. And we see this playing out later in the Bible in Ruth chapter 2. You know, it's a case of she was able to go to the field and gather grain. When we hear on the news or encounter in our life or experience within our families people that are struggling, people that need benefits, people that need food and don't have enough money, then We can see that God wants to provide for them. And instituted that into the teaching, even of the festivals. God is a God of love. And so, when Ruth went to that field, we see that the people not just allow her to gather the stuff at the edge and the stuff that had been dropped... But Boaz says, drop a bit more. Let her have a fullness. And says that she can go and drink the water. And says, come and eat with us. The understanding of how we live our life is not limited to what we do in worship in this place. But a truly worshipful life spreads out into how we live it. And how we have hearts of compassion that reflects God's. We're called to have a heart that goes beyond the law, beyond what the law requires. And so when we see the fulfillment of the law that comes in Jesus, we see that there's so much more that we can do. And it's not limited by the words written down. And we see that the offering is not limited by a lamb or a bull or a ram. But Jesus gives himself. God's son becomes the sacrifice. That we might be forgiven. It's within this celebration of thinking of what goodness we have that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. And so we can celebrate that too in our lives how it guides us and equips us, how it enables us to praise, but also to serve. The Holy Spirit can lead us to do what is right, not merely to conform to set instructions or to fit in with the way of the world, or to fit in with those around us that do things in a certain way, but lead us into the worshipful life that goes beyond the weekly Sabbath and goes beyond even the extra days, the holy days, that are instituted here. The festivals of... Pentecost and Passover were firmly spring and thought of newness of life. But half a year later, at the seventh month, we see a new package tour of festivals. The festival of trumpets or blowing, the Day of Atonement the festival of tabernacles or booths, all coming within a month of each other, all put together six months apart from Passover. And we can see how pilgrims making the long journey to Jerusalem in the first century for one festival would be quite keen to just stay on for the next and the next again, because they're only a few days apart, the start of every month was normally marked by the blowing of the shofar. Uh, the but the first day of the seventh month becomes an extra blowing, a festival of blowing everybody's blowing their trumpet. Sometimes you send somebody off to go and blow their trumpet elsewhere. But in the sense that this festival will be one of much blowing. And it nowadays marks the start of the Jewish civil new year. You know, a bit like how we have our tax year starting in April they have a year that's running slightly differently, six months differently, from the timing that they were told to start the year at Passover. So there's a new year. But this New Year trumpet, as a religious festival, is not the celebration of the civil year. In fact, it's not so much a celebration at all. I said earlier when we uh, got our blowers and read (laughs) that it would wake somebody up. This is not the fact that somebody's fallen asleep, you know. The festival the feast of trumpets, was to wake people up. It was to get them ready for the Day of Atonement. It's ten days until that day comes. And so the trumpets was actually more of a somber occasion, preparing the way, a bit like John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus' coming. The trumpets say, repent, turn back to God. Because the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, marked the concept of deliverance, but also of judgment. Are you in the book of life or the book of death would be the issue for the Jewish people? Have you changed your ways since the trumpet has sounded? Have you responded to that call? If people had not repented, then they would be cut off. And that's why it's saying about those that aren't following the feast would be cut out. They've had warning, they've had notice that a change is coming. And this holy day was the only day when the high priest would enter the holy of holies, the inner part of the tent where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. But the ritual of blood offered in no way was sufficient for all our sins to be purified. We are blessed in Jesus. We're able to come before God having been forgiven and made new. Because of his sacrifice and because of his blood, because of him being in the most holy place, we can come to God. We can be saved not just that one day of salvation each year but we can come to God any day of the year and say that we want to be saved and know that because of Jesus' blood and what he's done for us we can come. The month continues and it picks up the mood. It goes from the somberness of atonement and repenting of our sins to a celebratory mood. And the Israelites would camp out for seven days in their booths their temporary shelters that they've built, to remember the wilderness journey. Now, in about two and a bit weeks' time, we're going camping as a family. That's August. If I was to suggest that we were to go camping for a week in October... Emily might have other ideas. She's shaking her head at me. I could could suggest it. It might be. No, I'm not going to get away with that. And I suspect that applies to many of you. You don't really fancy, you've got nice homes to live in. You don't want to go just outside them and camp in a temporary shelter. Or gather together. Maybe we could sometime organise going away on a church camping trip. That might be a good weekend that I would like to do. Danny's nodding, I'm sure, yeah. That might be something we can do, and it might be a time of refreshment. But it's maybe not something for our October. But there's an element of this festival, if not the entire group going off to camp. You do recognise something here. I'm sure, though more the telling of the story rather than the enactment. On the first day, you are to take branches from luxuriant trees, from palms and willows and leafy trees, and rejoice before the Lord your God. Taking palm fronds. Rejoicing before God. I think you might recognize that idea from Palm Sunday. Though this is six months away from Palm Sunday. But a very similar mood. It was the start of Passover when Jesus entered the Holy City. And the mood was very similar to this. Passover was a festival where branches didn't normally play a part. Where the palm fronds weren't usually taken. But with the coming of Jesus, there was a sense of the great hope for the future. The hope that was seen at the festival of booths. That there was a path to the promised land. That God would lead his people forward. That there would be freedom. And the people would rejoice. In God, there is much to celebrate. There is much to give thanks for. And he provides a structure for us that gives us the opportunity to do that in a variety of ways set aside time for God's people to rest, to have extra Sabbath days, to feast, to remember, to give thanks. This summer, while things might be different, God is not different. God is still loving. He is still giving. He is still caring for you. And so, let us praise him and rejoice in all that he does. (coughs) Amen.